It's another edition of Baseball and Beyond presented by Masses Restaurants, and today we're trying something different. We're going to try long-distance relationships with Jeff Supon. Hello, Jeff. Can you hear me? <laughs> One. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? This is ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Are you there? Actually, he's sitting right next to me. We're driving in his car. Let's say that we're doing that. Hello, Soup. How are you? I hear now you're in Can- you're in Kansas City for a big event. Tell us. No, we don't do that. But you told me you're going to be visiting with Garth Brooks. How do you know Garth? Well, from his foundation, Teammates for Kids. Um, what he's doing is um, a baseball clinic at the Urban Youth Academy that they just built in Kansas City, and. Uh, they're doing a, you know, so I'll be there as an alumni of the Kansas City Royals, and you know, hopefully there'll be a ton of kids out there tomorrow. So I came in early to watch a game, and um, I'll probably uh, it's my first baseball game since I I don't even know when uh, in the major league. So it'll be fun. Well, we were at one last year around this time. Cardinals. Uh, I don't remember who they were playing, but. Boy, it was a hoot, I'll say that for sure. That, you know what, I was there, but I was more in the suite hanging out with all my uh, teammates. You know, I didn't really watch the game. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. But, so, but that was my last time last year. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm good for about one a year. So I know you're, all, you're very excited to be part of the podcast and this new venture where I try doing this remotely. More, most of the time I like to see my guest, although I can see you over FaceTime almost. But uh, almost, except I'm driving in my car, and you can see me driving. So it's almost like reality podcasting. This is a, wow! It's just crazy how it works. And you loved you loved doing interviews. I remember back in the day, right? This was like your favorite thing about being a baseball player. Well, second favorite. What was the first? Everything else was tied for first. <laughs> so you talk like Tony. <laughs> I, I love that line. I use it my whole. I've used it since then, since 2004, when I heard it from Tony Larusa. I'm like, I think that's funny. I use it all the time too. But like, like people around baseball, I work with people around who aren't around baseball, and they have no idea what I'm talking about. They go, "Oh, that's a good line." So it only works when well, you're. You're very right. And having a restaurant for 10 years, I found out that baseball humor and everyday life humor is not the same. And a lot of my jokes that I chuckled at, they didn't even know where I was coming from. So I kind of eliminated it um, a little bit, but I, I always dropped it on my uh, my kids. And so now they're going to be, you know, they're five and seven. So they're saying things like a yard sale and, and, and things like that. And nobody knows what they're talking about. So hopefully I'm not hurting them. What does a yard sale mean? I don't know what that means. You know, like with somebody, like say, for example, you go to a yard sale and they got stuff all over the place. It's a mess, right? So it's just like, you know, in school, you know, somebody's walking around with um, a bunch of pens in their hand and they drop it. It goes everywhere. It's a yard sale. <laughs> I'd, never, I'd never heard that. You're welcome. Hey, thank you. And uh, the audience, the audience thanks you too. the audience of 15. Actually, no, this has a decent sized audience. You were asking about it earlier and. Like I said, we're trying to get all the older Cardinals, all my uh, favorite Cardinals from the 2000s. And Soup, you were one of them. You know that. Much appreciated. And you, hey, you were, you're legendary, so that's why I'm on your show. Ah, legendary. 
Uh, you had a long career. We'll talk baseball a little bit, but get back to some other fun stuff. But it's just crazy. Like when you show up in St. Louis, it seems like everything changes. I know you've answered this a million times, and you said, "Well, yeah, I had Scott Rowland and Edgar Renteria and Matheny and Yachty and Edmonds, and yeah, it definitely changes you as a pitcher." But I mean, was it just that, just being able to pitch in front of guys who can catch the ball because you were a contact guy? And was, is that really all it took for you to? It's not like your career was, you know, awful. I'm not trying to be, but you played on a bunch of teams that weren't good, so you weren't getting a great winning record. Is that what you think of when you think about why when you pitch for the Cardinals? Well, I would say this, and and my statement always has been that, and and that is the truth. Um, not to say that the other teams I was on um, didn't have great defense or didn't have a, a great bullpen, um, but that, those were three incredible years, and I, I think. When you're the type of pitcher that I am, a number three or four starter, when the team plays well, your record shows that. And when the team doesn't play well, your record shows that. And I think I never changed the style that I was. I I did little things, you know, along the way, but I always pitched to contact. And when you play with with guys... um, that are like like minded. They want championships. They want to win. Uh, you have a city that wants you to win. You have a city that supports you. Another thing is, it was the National League, and I think that fit my style of pitching better than the American League. So when I was in Kansas City, we we did lose a hundred games two years in a row. I, I I learned how to pitch a different way. Um, I threw two hundred innings every year, you know. So that was kind of my thing, and and I kind of had to play for the. Uh, the no decision, you know, kind of thing. Like that was almost a win um, at times. And we, you know, we just, it was a, it was just one of those things. So um, certainly, you know, when you have other starters on your team that dominate, you know, and, and you have a, a, an incredible bullpen, it, it takes a little pressure off you. You know, I didn't have to pitch at a number one. You had Chris Carpenter, you know, you had Woody Williams, you had Matt Morris. Get those type of pitchers in front of you, and it, it allowed me to just go out and do my thing. So um, I was kind of under the radar, which is totally fine by me. Any favorite? And I'm sure you get this a lot, but favorite Tony story? You're around him three years. You, you, you already said you quote him. I quote him all the time too. It's amazing when you see tied for first or someone asks you how you're doing. Oh, ask me at ten o'clock. Do you have any favorite though Tony story that? that you uh, tell at banquets or fantasy camps or things that just sticks out, something off the field or something crazy about that. He's, just, he's, he's so, he's so uh, interesting to know about. And I just think I, – I, I actually called him. He's going to be another one of these guys that I'm going to try to get on here over the phone. And it's just a matter of, well, how long do you need me? Well, what, uh, what, are, you, what are you talking about? You know, he's still the same guy. But do you have any great Tony stories that you always tell? Well, I learned all my t- Tony stories from the books that I read that he wrote. <laughs> I didn't talk to him a whole lot. But what I loved about Tony was that he knew he was the manager, and I knew he was the manager. And I respected that, and he respected me, and we kind of just went about our business. You know what I mean? So I always appreciated that because he let you play. Um, there was other guys that probably needed more attention. Um than I did, and um, uh, I don't know. It was just one of those things. But one of the ones I used to love was when you would ask him how he was doing. You mentioned that. How are you doing today? I'll let you know after the game. And so the way my mind worked, I was like, all right, well, all right, 
And then obviously you're never going to talk to him after the game. So after about two or three times of that, I said, hey, Tony, or I used to just call him Skipper, but I would say, hey, Skipper, how you doing right now? And it buckled him. It buckled him. And he's like, I'm doing fine, Soup. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. I never, so, thought, I never thought of that. And it's funny because I would see him every day, and I would know mentally not to say – how are you doing? And then you see him, and it's the only thing you can think of saying to him. I I never thought ahead, and if I did, I it it because I did want to do that. I wanted to make him laugh or make him ch- chuckle, and you, you just couldn't really get that out of him. It was it was crazy. But uh, you talked about being well, a, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm no. Sorry. See, here we go. Here's the first technical glitch. No, you go. No, you go. You hang up. All right, I'll go. No, no. Um. Doesn't that, doesn't that get crazy when you talk to people and they like they can't get off the phone? And so every time you say okay, they say okay, and then you say goodbye, they say goodbye, and you say all right, they say all right, or vice versa. I'm like, let's just get off the phone. Bye. See you later. You know, don't get off the phone um, yet, though. I wasn't saying that to you. That's right. That's right. No, but what I was going to say was it was funny because we must have had the same taste in, in restaurants because it was like every time. You know, you'd be eating somewhere in spring training and, and you'd be, you know, goofing around or whatever, joking around. All of a sudden, it's like you see Tony, like, walking around the corner and you're like, what's going on? You know, and so it was, it was funny. It was it became like a running joke. Like, you always make a comment and you look around and see if the skipper's around, you know. And uh, but he was uh, he was great to play for. Uh, I'm really thankful in my career that I got a chance to play for him. You mentioned being a third or fourth starter, which I think is interesting that you said that. I, did you did you believe that when you were pitching? And what is that? Is, do you think guys, do they think like that? I mean, I can't imagine Lance Lynn walks around going, yeah, I'm the third starter on this team, even though he's probably the second. But you, you know what I'm saying. At some point, Mike Leake, you know, probably would be considered a Supon type. But I don't think he'd walk around thinking he's a third starter. Did you think that while you were playing, or is that – I mean, were you honest enough with yourself to say that? I'm all, this is what I am, this is who I'll be, or was it always that way? Well, let me give you an example. Um, in, in 1999, um, I am with, no, I'm sorry, 2000, I'm with the Kansas City Royals. And my manager at the time, Tony Muser, um, who I, again, love playing for him as well, uh, he asked me a question. He said, Sue, if you were on the, if you were on the New York Yankees, where would you be in the rotation? Or where would you be on the pitching staff? And I said, I'd be the number five starter or I would be in the bullpen. And he said, congratulations, you're our opening day starter. And so this is why I tell that story, because you have to have a sense of reality. Nobody walks around like, hey, I'm the number three starter. I'm the number one starter. I'm the five starter. Okay. But you that's how rotations work. That's how you think of it uh, when you're when you're the manager or you're in the front office. So certainly, every time you're on the mound, you're the most important pitcher on the mound. It doesn't matter what number you are. Okay. Now, why he asked me that question was for the simple fact that some people, when they get put into the number one spot, and they're not a quote unquote ace. They change, like oh, you know, they, they change their per, their personality. Yeah, they change they, their voice. It sounds like too. Are they change their what? voice? Is that possible? Is that what's happening? Well, hey, yes, <laughs> they could change their voice. No, but they, they get a little different, and they start putting more pressure on themselves. 
the pitch at that level. And like I said, there's not there's not 30 aces in the major leagues right now. So I just had a little more of a, maybe a sense of reality. Um, I pitched within myself, and um, and I was okay. Like that, that was fine. I mean, you know, you, as long as you're on the staff, I pitched in the number one spot. I pitched in the five spot. I pitched in the I pitched also them all, and um, I think that you just go out and pitch wherever you're told to pitch, and that's how it goes. Interesting. This sounds like a pitching coach talking to me right now, but uh, we'll get into that in a second because that's what you're doing. But the the '04 team to me, uh, I grew up watching this team from 19, 1985 on, and the '85 team basically was like my birth to the team, and then '87 they hooked me. Like that's how I became like diehard baseball Cardinal fan, but the 04 team, I think just holds a special place in everyone's heart here. Cause it was, I just never seen a team dominate every night. And, uh, and it's just so sad that team didn't win. It just, it just was a thud. What did it feel like to you to get that team beyond that team, watch a young Chris Carpenter win 15 and then he's not around for the playoffs, but you guys still roll through the playoffs until you get to Houston, obviously, but is that, what do you think of when you think of 04? Is it like, wow, what a great team, or oh, what a what a huge miss for me? Well, I will say this. Um, as a player before St. Louis, you know, I was just learning to scratch and claw and, and, and grind it out, you know what I mean? And then when I came to St. Louis, especially that year, it was like, I had to learn how to be, to expect to win, and it changes you immediately. Once you have that feeling, you want it every single time you go. When we went to when we went into any game, and every game I should say, uh, there was a there was a, a strong sense of how are we going to win today? Who's going to step up? And it was a great feeling. I mean, I, I hadn't felt that uh, many times in my life in my career, but um, it was uh, it was pretty amazing. And I think looking back. I mean, the, the team that loses always say always says they were the best team. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were better, but we just we just got. I mean, they were the Red Sox were hot and they, and they uh, they dominated that series. And um, I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And uh, but we were by far the best team, in my opinion. I, I, and I just think people may forget because everyone we'll get those six in a second. But you pitched in two game sevens of NL championship games. And the first one is against some guy named Roger Clemens. You're facing uh, Carlos Beltran, who's hitting 600 against the team that year. Uh, that game is one of my favorite games because you come off Edmonds home run the night, the night before, then you guys are in a pickle already. And then Jimmy makes that catch and then Roland hits the home run. And I just have never seen Bush stadium shake like that. What was it like for you just kind of gearing up for that game and knowing it's, you know, this is the first time the Cardinals are going to the World Series since 87, and it's pretty much, yeah, it's all on your shoulders, Soup. Go get them. You versus Clemens. <laughs> well, you forgot about my sack bun squeeze. I mean, my squeeze bun off of Roger to get a run. Did you remember that? Or No, I remember. Well, I more remember Roger Cedeno getting a base uh, squeeze, a bunt before uh, Albert tied it. I remember the squeeze. But I, <laughs> but, I, but I think we'll talk about your World Series base running in a second, too, if you want to get into all the fun of 04. <laughs> Right. Hello? I mean, hey, the, first, the yeah. Can you hear me? <laughs> the the first time on third base since high school. No excuses. I, no yeah, excuses. I, bro- Soup. I broke up the no hitter. Do you remember that? His no hitter. But no, I don't. 
I don't okay. I don't think anyone does. <laughs> luckily, no. luckily that thing was lost at game one, I think. But anyway, what were you feeling driving in thinking about play, pitching against Clemens and the Astros and all that? I mean, do you even – I know it just it's a fan thing, I think, and it's just me asking, but – some guy, I mean, Skip Schumacher would say, God, I was, I was sick to my stomach. I was about to throw up every time I'd drive in for those World Series games in 2011. Sometimes I think some guys are like that, and I wonder, I, I feel like you weren't, but maybe you can be honest here and say you were. Uh, I was not, not going to throw up. Um, <laughs> I did feel nervous, um, but I think my years of prep, pre- uh, preparation, preparing, um, made me have a different sense about it. Um, I felt that I, I knew, it, obviously it's the World Series, the outside external distractions are so great, and, and I was able, I was, I was good at internalizing it, and I was good at uh, compartmentalizing my thoughts. And for me, I just had to go out and pitch my game. So at that year, it seemed like every first inning, I'd always give up a home run. And so I did. I just let it happen. I let it happen. Is it Biggio? You know, so, it Biggio or Biggio. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Biggio hits the home run. And um, I, I, re- I, assume, I, had. I remember that. <laughs> See, thanks for remembering all the bad stuff. I forgot, you know? I forgot but, that uh, sack bunt, but holy, yeah, I remember uh, Biggio going deep. Go on, I'm sorry. <laughs> and honestly, like, I always had a sense that um, – I, I know what it what it is when you pitch. I mean, you you basically have uh, you're going to walk people, give up hits, give up runs, and um, once you're willing to accept that, then you're willing to do what it takes to not allow it to happen. And that's where I was at most of my career, you know. So I was like, all right, hey, I'm I'm not a 15 strikeout guy, you know. I, I don't throw hard. I'm going to give up hits and walks. Um, so I basically just try to take the approach of you know staying focused. And um, and then it happened. So I was able to control the nerves, and and certainly I was. I had lost to Roger. I'd lost to to Clem that year, I think, four times. And uh, but I got the last one. So uh, what I always appreciated about that was that after the game, uh, he, him, uh, and I believe Biggio came over to say uh, to say congratulations. I wasn't around, but they told me that. And uh, I always remember that, and I appreciate that. That's pretty cool. Um, so that that team had Steve Klein, Julian Tavares. You had some characters. Give me a good Klein story. Uh, everyone has a nice, fun Klein story. Uh, some that they don't tell on the, in front of people, but you have one that, that you uh, enjoy, or is it just more him just being an oddball? It was. I just remember. I just remember Kleiner and the hat, and I remember Kleiner and telling his wrestling stories in high school and stuff, and. And he just—he was a funny guy, and um, I, I don't have any story in particular. But he was—he uh, was a great lefty reliever, man. I, I really enjoyed being his teammate. Well, that was a bad answer, but I'll, I'll move on. The, the good—you've been—you've been good so far. I would say you're about ten for fifteen in your answers so far. I don't have all the answers now. Okay, <laughs> I don't have all the answers. All right, if we're going to talk about other players, I'm going to move on to 06. 05 is kind of the same season. 06 is just one of those crazy years. And it's my, one of my favorites, again, because this is the one, the first year I get to travel with you guys and I'm around you all the time. So I get to see you and Scott Rowland and Scott Spezio. Give me a fun Scott Spezio story. <laughs> <laughs> You're legendary, man. Man, this is a tough show. <laughs> 
No? Okay. You don't have to. But he was fun. I mean, that what I that's what I think about from 06, and I, that's that team had – I mean, if you look back, and you were around them this this off, this, uh, this 10-year reunion, Ronnie Belliard, Chris Duncan, Tyler Johnson, Brad Thompson, you have, you have all these kids, you have some veterans, you have some whack jobs – uh, Aaron Miles is a fun guy. I mean that that is that is what a championship team looks like, isn't it? I mean, it, it's a lot of times it's a bunch of guys who are really talented, but then you throw in those those crazy characters. You got to have some uh, chemistry, and I think every year that we played, we had good chemistry, and and that was just an interesting year because we had to go through the the, the three eight game losing streaks, and those characters they really helped to keep it light, and um, we we peaked at the right time <clears throat> but as far as Spezio goes he, he was a very sincere guy I mean he was always giving compliments to people always pumping you up he did a great job coming in off the bench and starting you know Miles he, you know we used to hang out on the bench all the time you know I always have to tell people or remind people that I pitched in 32 games here and I watched a whole lot more so all those you know the bench guys um, uh, were just good guys and I think that chemistry helped us out, you know, and I think poor PFP has helped us out as well from the other side. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Did Wasn't you, it, though? I, I just don't – I just can't imagine how that happened. I mean, well, it looks like the team that plays right now in, uh, in St. Louis, unfortunately. This is – I don't know if you get to see a lot of Cardinal games, Soup, but this is not – what we've seen or what I've seen over 40 years or 30 years, however long I've watched baseball, it's just weird, you know? And, and I know that they've worked on it and work on it. And I don't know. It's, I mean, you're, you're a pitcher, but you got to know that I guess once you start talking it out, doesn't it become more mental? And I think I was going to go back to that too. You, you seem very like you were so mentally strong and I remember your delivery was so easy and there was no like herky jerky. It seemed like you just had this, this thing about like three questions in one baseball's pretty mental and you just got to keep it simple. Right. I mean, and that feels like that's what you did. And is that why maybe that we're seeing just crazy weird defense from this, this team right now? Well, I haven't, I haven't seen uh, too many games. Dana has, <laughs> she watches more baseball than I do. Um, <clears throat> so maybe she would be better to comment on that. Now, you know? Dana is uh, your, Dana is your dog. Dana? Yeah. Oh, your wife, Dana. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got it. I love Dana. Awesome. Awesome lady. <laughs> you better say You're that. better half. No, um, no doubt you're better half. No doubt. No doubt. No. So, you know, I, I do think it becomes a thing. And uh, the more you talk about it, you know, it kind of becomes a bigger issue. And then you kind of wait for the wheels to happen, the wheels to fall off, kind of. Um, but certainly everybody works plenty hard at it. And it's not like... Nobody's going out there to make errors on, on, on plays like that. So um, it could just be a thing. It could be a little funk. It could be a trend. And, and you hope to eliminate that uh, as quickly as possible. But um, certainly the game is mental. Uh, everyone goes through the ups and downs. Um, the people that are able to, can, I think, control it, their emotions and the mental side a little bit more, may have more success, but not necessarily. Um some of the strongest people mentally are that way because they don't have the tools, you know, and some of the, the greatest tools in the game aren't that strong mentally because they just have the gift. So there's, there's so many different ways and uh, you just try to be the best that you can be. I mean, really to be cliche for you. That was a good cliche. That was a good one. 
<laughs> Do you have a couple more minutes for uh, a few more fun questions here? You're just kind of sitting in a car, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm lost somewhere in Kansas City right now. But, yeah, no, I got plenty of time. Watch out. There's one bad area. Well, there's a couple bad areas. But I love Kansas City. Um, so you uh, you wouldn't give me any good Spezio stuff. Do you have any good practical Joker stories, anything good? I remember the one that uh, happened uh, when Josh Kinney first came up. I think Wainwright and someone else stole his key in Atlanta maybe. And so they ran up to his room. <laughs> he gets in his room. And this is his first time in a major league baseball hotel, and he opens the door. And he's like, "Oh my gosh, this place is unbelievable!" And then Wayno jumps out of the bathtub, and I think that's just funny that that happened. And it's a story that I just I love hearing. Do you have any fun practical joke stories that happen, or is it just kind of that happens all the time? Well, no, it certainly doesn't happen all the time. But that whole thing started, I think, in '04, uh, and. I don't know who did it first, but it was a funny thing. I mean, most of my practical jokes, they still don't know. I haven't revealed it to anyone. <laughs> it's just a personal thing for me. So I don't want to let everybody know all my little things that I did because I still do them. And I'm, it may come up again. And I don't want to reveal anything. But those are things that when you're around each other for as long as you're around each other, they happen. And it becomes a, a, a you know, this becomes a thing, you know, like little games you play or 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 whatever and um but i also forgot a lot of the things i used to do i have to be in the moment like so you you asked me a little bit about coaching so all of a sudden like things will come to me as i'm coaching and um i it's like it it's just one of those things i don't even know where it came from but i remembered it from that it's something i did 10 years ago um but uh right now i can't recall anything so i'm not like a good recall guy you know what i mean (laughs) You're you're a funny, you're definitely a, a de- you're a different guy. I got to say that you were one of my favorites. I, I remember we do these interviews and you'd be all worried about your sinus problems or oh, did I answer that right? Let's do that again. And we'd be in there all day trying to get the right answer from you. That was just trying to do it right. You know, I'm a severe allergenic. You know, you don't have to. I don't feel. Hey, you could bring it up all you want, man. It's just, it is what it is. No, I have the you same. Know? I have a bad sinus thing happening right now, and I'm sure everyone cares. See. See, and that happens, man. I'm not going to make fun of you for that, but you can make fun of me. That's cool. I wasn't making fun. I was I was noting that you would you would definitely be angry at yourself that it was happening and you want to answer the question again because you're having an allergy attack. It happens, man. I mean, Kansas City and St. Louis, bad allergies. Where did I spend most of my career? Eight, almost eight years in, in St. Louis and Kansas City. So That's pretty bad. Um, bring A, bring A. Take your Claritin. That's all I can say. Yeah. You, you sound great. I'm, thank you. I just had something like two weeks ago that just killed me. But Zyrtec, Zyrtec and Flonase in the morning. That's what I've learned. Is uh, I do it every day, and it has, has seemed to work. All right. Last thing uh, uh, on 2006. So you get that Game 7 start in New York, and I know you get asked about it a million times. But, again, this is one of those crazy games where the Mets – well, they win game six, they're ready to win, they're ready to party, they've got Carlos Beltran again, and they haven't been to the World Series since 86. Again, you get the assignment. This one's on the road, any different, or is it the same, hey, you get to the ballpark, you do your thing, and you did give up a run there as well? <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What a bum. Now, uh, you know what's funny about that one was that that game – and then the, my very first game, uh, playoff game, my first, very first playoff game was in L.A. 
A clincher. And I never have, by the way, I have you, by never. the by the way, you pitched a clincher in that one as well. Got to got to give you props for that. And then you know I got a hit in that one too. Did you know that? I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I gave up a home run in that game too. Who? Uh, <laughs> you did to uh, who was it? it was a love worth worth. Okay. I was thinking about what was um, Albert Homer in that game. That's who I was. I was well, who's uh, Jose Lima pitched game three, right? And he's the one who shut shut you guys down in game three. I think. Oh anyway. yeah, Oda- great. Odalis Perez. That's I was trying to remember who you guys beat because you guys hit like six home runs in game one, and and then Albert hit a bomb for you in game four. Anyway, you were saying I I do this. So so anyway, so basically that was the first time like Dana and I were staying in. in um, no, wait, I wait, wait. Go home. Da- Dana, I didn't want to go home. Dana's your Dana, dog, my right? wife. Okay. <laughs> Dana, my wife, not the uh, – what you call her, a dog? I'm going to let her know that. She's listening right now. But um, <laughs> so, uh, so, what ha- so what ends up happening is uh, I hate the mall, and she always loves going to the mall. So, she, so I am so nervous. Um, I'm getting waves of nerves. I'm like, Dana, let's go to the mall. And she's like, what? So we end up going to the mall. We walk around for a little bit. And that was the first time I really experienced like a wave of nerves, right? And um, so what ends up happening in game seven, we're on the road and it was great. So I I got, you're away, you're kind of with yourself a little bit, but I still had a lot of nervous energy going in. And, um, but I, I like, I appreciated the fans' enthusiasm, you know, um, and they were aggressive. And I, I don't know what it was, but I was able to uh, block it out. I was able to focus on what I had to focus on. I don't know how I got through some of those innings. Um, I, was, I was in the moment. I chose a pitch. I threw it. I do remember um, spiking a curveball and hitting Valentin in the chin. And I remember Yadi wanted to go to it later in the game. And I'm, I said, no way. He threw it down twice. I said, no way. He threw it down again. I said, okay. And because I was so in the moment, I forgot about all those negative thoughts. And I just threw, I just threw the curveball and I ended up striking him out. Um, and little things that happened, you know, I just think that was a team that was had nothing to lose. And they went out and played their game. And that was a fun game. And, and obviously I do remember, you know, uh, Andy Chavez, um, coming up. So he makes the catch. Now I think it was bases loaded at the time. Um, he's up. And I, I just remember my internal thoughts were, okay, he made the catch. He's feeling great. He wants to be the, the star. And I said, I'm going to throw either two pitches. I'm going to throw an up and away fastball out of the zone to see what kind of aggressiveness he's going to have. Or I'm going to throw, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to throw a fastball at his hands up, up above to see how aggressive he is. Cause if he hits it, he'll pop it up. If he doesn't, uh, he'll just take it. And then I'll know I got to be a little more careful or I could throw a sinker down and away. And then I thought, well, if I miss with the sinker, he could just soft serve it out to left field. and He's going to get a hit. So I went with the first, the first thought. I threw it right down the middle, and he popped it up. <laughs> and it was that was it. We got out of the jam, and then and then uh, Flo came in and and, and uh, threw two great innings, and then Wayno came in and, and closed it. So um, you know, I think when athletes are at their best, they think simply. And I, I feel like that was, you were seeing the best I had. And, and uh, a lot of things happened. 
could, could I could allow myself to go the other way, but I really felt I was playing for the team, and I wanted to. I had to help my teammates in this moment, and and I was the guy on the mound. Uh, it's it's and it's really cool listening to you talk about it because it it does take me. I was at a bar watching it, but it takes me back to watching Shocker. it. Yeah, believe it or not, and I was enjoying some some. Well, it was nerve wracking for all of us, but like I, I love talking to like guys like you and even Gary Bennett and some of the guys that, that aren't like Chris Carpenter or Yachty because you guys are loved by Cardinal fans just as much as Yachty. I mean, people will remember you versus Clemens or you in that game seven, and and what is that? Does that do anything for you? Does it does it make you think, you know, man, I did have a great career, but that that's like a cherry on top to to have that kind of group of crazies be, you know, that immersed in my career and, and knowing, uh, you know, caring about me that much. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. To the player, it means a lot. Honestly, to have to have a city that you can go back to, um, and they remember. Um, you know, certainly they're not going to like as a player, they're going to see it and they're going to recognize you and they're going to, you know, say hello to you. But, you know, when you're done playing, nobody cares. Right. So <laughs> it's nice that um, you have that that moment, that memory. I, I'm glad. I'm, I mean, I'm so thankful. Um, I would have been happy in my career. But I mean, that to have that to have that opportunity when we went in 04. I, I mean, I was on a lot of losing teams. I never even thought about making the playoffs. I just was like, let's just get through the year and have, a, you know, try to have the best year we can have. And then when we went to we, that team was so good, you go to the World Series and you lose. And I'm like, I never wanted anything more than to bring a world championship uh, to St. Louis after losing one because it was like, it was a magical year. And then boom, four games, it's over. And you're just kind of like, what? just happened now i pitched my whole my whole most of my career that all that playoff stuff happened at the end of my career a lot of players who come up like adam wainwright he came up and his first year was a world series and now you're thinking that's how it is you know and so you have all these different perspectives but certainly um i love going back to st louis and it's um uh it was a great a great time in my career yeah, you mentioned. I'm sorry. A couple more minutes. I promise we're almost done. <laughs> I'll give you. Hey, I'll give you everything I got, man. This is like cups of coffee. So I'm ready to roll. <laughs> this is like game seven for you of uh, the 2006 NLCS. You mentioned um, Yachty and Wainwright, and it's just crazy that they're still doing their thing. But I want to ask you. You talked about Yachty there for a second, and you talked about how he threw down the curveball twice, and you're like, no. Tell me a little bit about what it was like throwing to him, and we always hear about him directing the game and controlling the game, and pitchers don't shake him off. Is that something that uh, is true? Is it something that he is that great, and you believe in him? Um, it, it is a you know, it's a they call it a battery for a reason. There's two parts to a battery, but you just give me your thoughts on, on what we're talking about here. Okay, my first thought is that. Um, People always forget about the pitcher. I mean, some pitchers don't want to think about pitch selection, okay? And that's where a catcher like that, or I mean, there's backup catchers who call great games as well. I mean, no doubt about it, okay? Um, and there's some pitchers that want to call their own game. I mean, there was two years in St. Louis where I almost, well, I'll just say at least one year, I called every pitch from the mound. Okay, and I was exhausted. But how do you? And, but how do you? But how, how do you do that? Is that just with the glove? With the? 
Secrets. Okay, you're Secret right. Science. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. You are, you're like David Blaine. You have practical jokes that you can't talk about. <laughs> That's right. No, you can't reveal your secret. I can't tell you all my secrets, no. but you, you can do it from the mound. I mean, pitchers that do it, they know they do it. Okay, so now <clears throat> my first year in Kansas City, I mean, my first year in St. Louis, uh, Mike Matheny came out to me. He's like, Soup, do you not like me? Do you not like me catching you? I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I always got our backup catcher. And um, he said, uh, um, or I said to him, I go, dude, the one of the reasons why I came here is I wanted to throw to you, you know? And now moving into the playoffs, he started catching obviously me then. And it was such a relief, you know, that you could be on the same page. If I shook once, he went to the sign I wanted to go to. Okay, so now that's just an innate thing. And the guys who are smart and they know the game, they watch the game, the catchers obviously see a lot of what the hitters are doing. So now Yachty comes into that. Okay, so you got Mike Mathie, this great receiver, this great work ethic, great guy, you know, mentoring Yachty, right? And so Yachty's getting some playing time and, and this and that. Um then you go into um, Yachty on his own, right? So Yachty on his own, I mean, it was totally him and I. I, I never I never said, hey, you're calling my game. I mean, but he never said, Soup, I'm calling your game. We worked at it together, and it, it is, it's um, a partnership, and it happens fast. One thing about Yachty was that he had an absolute cannon, and I didn't have to worry about how high I lift my leg, or, and I could actually focus on the pitch itself. And, and Mike was that way as well, but Yachty's arm was, was better. Um, and uh, it takes a lot of pressure off pitchers. And, but the, the, the thinking, the guys that want to call the, you know, go with their own selection, you know, then they work together. What I liked about both of them um, is that, you know, Mike and Yachty, they come out and talk to you, you know, and, and, and vice versa. I used to have to call time, and I, if I had to call time about a pitch, I would I would um, uh, meet them halfway, you know. And I remember them telling me uh, when I went back to uh, St. Louis in uh, 2010, they're like, "Soup, you work too slow." I go, well, "I don't have three above average pitches that I strike everybody out." <laughs> I mean, I don't. I have four pitches. They all make themselves better, um, and so. Catchers, good catchers, especially guys like Yadier Molina, they know the style of the pitcher, and that's what makes that pitcher successful, the team successful, and Yadier successful. Interesting. Like I said, the talk of a pitching coach here, it sounds like. You think? Maybe a little bit. I'm gonna ask, I promise I'm going to ask you about that. But one last thing. So we talked about... Yachty was on that team. Wayno in 06 obviously closes out many of those games and becomes a starter. And it's just crazy that he's still doing his thing, you know, this long. He's going to probably retire a Cardinal, as will Yachty. What's it been like seeing a guy who, you know, every time when I watched him and I thought he was struggling, I'm like, okay, he's hurt. Like, I just couldn't believe the guy with that much talent um, could could be – you know, not getting guys out. And now it, it just, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to watch. Cause I can't, I'm not a pitching coach. I can't tell if he's hurt. And I don't know you said, you don't watch a lot, but it's just been a struggle the last couple of years coming off injuries and he's 35. I mean, what, how weird is it to watch a guy who, who can be dominant, just not be dominant. And then, you know, the guy, I mean, what do you, is there anything you think of when you think of Wayno and possibly what's, what's gone 
kind of not wrong, but, you know, 10 hits in five innings every game is not the old way to remember. Well, I mean, certainly, hey, look, let's let's talk a little physiology here, okay? Okay. Your body changes every seven years. That's what they say. I don't know who says it, but somebody says it. Maybe it's the scientists. I don't know. So anyway, your body changes, and, and you're playing, and you're running at race car levels, okay? So your body's – it's hard to maintain that for 20 years, okay? So you're, you're not going to be the same guy, okay? So George Brett, his last year after playing 20-plus seasons, wasn't the same George Brett when he was in his third-year prime, you know what I mean? So – and Adam Wainwright – is gonna he's he's going through changes. I don't. I mean, his his body's changing. Maybe his, he's not feeling the same way about pitches. Maybe he's not recovering. I don't know. But certainly, I I think like when I recall my own career, like I would say twenty uh, twenty eight to about thirty three, thirty four. Mentally and physically, everything was lined up for me. Like I felt strong. I felt they had good thoughts. I made pitches. At the end of my career, my mental was strong and my physical was uh, decline in skill. In the earlier part of my career, my physical was better than my mental. Okay, so you got this. You got this window. Nobody knows how long their window is going to be, um, but you certainly have to learn how to change, and uh, you have to start doing things a little bit different. You have like that was hard for me because I was a very I was very much a routine orientated guy. And for about, I would say, 10 years of my career, I did the same routine every time, every off season, in between starts, every game day. It was very hard to change that. Okay. Because now you're not, the pitch isn't getting there or this, the, the curveball wasn't spinning as much. So you go through changes. Nobody's going to be the same guy. You know what I mean? Their whole entire career. So that as a fan, if you're watching as a fan, like, look, people get older. I mean, are you the same way with now than you were when you were 18? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Think about your penmanship when you were in third grade. You probably had the best penmanship on the block. You probably got an A plus. Okay, now look at your penmanship. It's not the same. Soup, I'm in the best shape of my life. How about you? <laughs> I am not in the best shape of my life, no. No, no. All right, so I'm going to wrap up, I, and I really appreciate you. I did not know we were going to go this long, but you're so fascinating. I don't, I hey, I don't mind at all, man. Well, maybe I'll this cut is, this. Hey, I'm here for you, man. You want to do three hours? I'll do three hours. Oh, good. I, well, let's go back to 1995 then. Just kidding. I don't think, okay, 1995, July 17th, it was my major league call-up from AA. Uh, she went from AA to Boston, right? Right To the, to the big leagues, yes. To the yes. show? And then... What is that? To the show. The, the kids said. Yeah, to the show. Yeah. Now, Keith Lockhart. Keith Lockhart, my first major league hitter. Okay, I'm 20 years old. Boston Red Sox, Kansas City Royals. First pitch, bam, strike. Okay, I'm a strike thrower, right? So now I'm kind of a little bit of a pitcher too, right? So 3-2, I'm going to throw a BP fastball. Get him off my fastball because I throw so hard. 92, 93 at the time. Which wasn't hard. But anyway, so I'm going to throw a BP fastball. I throw a BP fastball, cut a little bit. Padakaye, pesky pole, first batter in the big leagues, home run. A little foreshadowing for you. Interesting. I did not know that. I didn't even get to look that up. I would have brought that up right away. I know you would have because you, you like, you know, you you use, use people like to do that, bring up all the bad stuff. Use, use. 
I, I revel in uh, negativity. That's what yeah. That's what us podcasters do. I never did. I see. I was a a rights holder, so I had to do all the fluffy positive. You know, you bring in. Uh, let me think of who. You know, Anthony Reyes went one in fourteen in uh, two thousand seven. So in two thousand eight, you bring him in. Anthony, you, you know, you really uh, June was really good. <laughs> you got a lot of room for improvement. You know. I mean, what'd you learn? There's nothing wrong with that. What, what'd you hey, learn? But hey, do you remember? 2000 and what year was four, maybe, maybe five. You were the executive producer and I was the editor <laughs> of the video that we did in spring training. I mean, do people remember that? Cause that was awesome. No, but I will. So for folks listening, soup right away showed a liking to video production. And, uh, I think that's how we, we became friendly. I wouldn't say friends. Yeah, fa- no, I'd say fast friends. That's what I would say. <laughs> Because then from that, po- that point on, I owed you every year because you're like, hey, man, remember when I let you I can't let you come into the studios and you edited it? I'm like, all right, uh, what do you want me to do? You held me hostage. This you is, held me hostage. Well, here, this is the best. I, I This is my podcast, so I get to tell my stories too. But my favorite story I get to tell <laughs> was uh, – okay. No, this is funny because you're involved. That's why it's funny. So in 2006, as I mentioned, I, I got the chance to travel nonstop with the team as I was working for Fox Sports Midwest. So as we get closer to the end of that season and when you guys kind of run through the playoffs, I start talking to you, hey, if there's a parade, do you think I can get in your, your truck? And you're like, let's talk about it if it happens. And you kept saying that over and over. I don't know if you remember that. Because I didn't want to jinx it. I didn't want to jinx anything. All right, so fast. I, mean, I, I wouldn't care if you rode my thing, uh, card or not, but I didn't want to jinx anything. You start, well, you start taking your mind to that place, and then it's gone in a heartbeat. Well, well, fast forward to the parade day, and now I've decided I'm not going to bug Soup. He did say I could ride in his truck, or I can't remember if he said I could, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave him alone, and I'll just uh, go out and enjoy the parade myself. Well, here comes a text from Soup. Hey, do you have my video camera? I don't have any uh, tapes for my... Are you have any tapes for my video camera? I don't have any tapes. And I said, yeah, I'll get those tapes only if you let me ride in the truck. You're like, yeah, just bring me the tapes. So I get to your truck, I give you the tapes, and you look at me, and I look at you and your family, and you're like, all right, see you later, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> but I did promise you those tapes. Yeah, but you promised me I'd ride in the parade, too. But I, what, I am a, what a jerk I am, man. No, no, I knew... You I mean, know, I... But I got. I had. I did get to ride in the parade. Postscript to the story. So. Yeah, because you said, "Oh, you know what, Soup? Don't worry about it." Who'd you go with? Uh, well, Josh Hancock was my. You went with Josh another, Hancock. Another That's friend, right. And so you friend. said, "Don't worry about it. I'm going to go with Josh." I said, "Are you sure, man?" No. Because no, Dana, my wife. You know, she has no problem with it. And I thought it would have been fun, but you didn't want to do it. No, no. Is that true? Yes. Oh. I yes. Okay, no, I don't believe you. But uh, so no, the thing. So I walk away, and I'm like, oh man, that would have been fun. But oh well, I'll go back see my friends. So then I see Josh, and he's got no one in his truck. Like Tyler Johnson and Chris Duncan are together. You have your family, all these guys. And I go, who's riding with you? He's like, nobody. I'm going to be here by myself. And I said, well, I'll ride with you. He's like, yeah, no, that's awesome. Get in. And I said, do you mind if we pick up some of my buddies along the way? And he's like, anybody's invited. So we we had the fun truck, that's for sure. But yeah, so see, that's awesome. See what a gift you gave him a gift right there. He would have been flying solo through that whole parade. Right. You know? Yeah, the story Think about that. Yeah, it was a story for all of us. That is, and you know what? One of these days, maybe the twenty year reunion, I'm going to give you those those uh, parade things. Um, I found two of them. I don't know how many I took, but. Uh, 
you know, it's funny. I didn't get that many people. People shy away from the camera. You know what I mean? When you're behind the camera, people shy away. But there's a few guys that stepped up. Yeah. So then you, you, know? you did, you took, one of the things you did was you uh, took the camera out on a golfing trip with you, Chris Carpenter, Adam Wainwright, and Mark Mulder. So that foursome is out on yeah, a golf. Mulder, yes, yes. And it is comedy. It's such, it's so funny. And, um, you get to see Chris Carpenter in a way you never see him. You see a young Wainwright kind of trying to fit in with you guys, which was fun. And then a very cocky Mark Muldu uh, playing Muldu golf. Muldu was so cocky when it came to golf, man. It was unbelievable. I'm trying to think what was – oh, so here's the other thing. As You said you have time. We might make this two parts. The other thing I always get made fun of uh, from my Fox days back with something that you were involved with was I created this feature called – Sushi with Taguchi. I said, let's go get sushi with So Taguchi, and it'll be fun. We'll be eating su- sushi, and we'll have talked yeah. to So, and So will speak English. And I asked you to come along because I thought, well, So doesn't speak much English. Maybe you can kind of add to it. But it became like a five-part series, and they didn't eat sushi till part four. But that <laughs> I, got, I got so much trouble for just ne- never eating the sushi. But so that was a fun day, you and So and Joe that was Goldberg. Fun. I had that was a great time, and um, I just don't know how the viewers felt about it. We didn't get high ratings on that one, I don't think. We never got high ratings on anything. We never. It wasn't promoted well. I think in the new Twitter age, it would have been much bigger. You know what I mean? You like it's, promote that. Yeah, yeah. You got to promote that stuff. You know what I used to love that I used to do? It used to crack me up. Can I share it with you? Oh yes, please. And your audience. We're almost out of time. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are we at? Almost at an hour? What are we at? Let's see. It says 49 minutes. Wow, I didn't realize it was right. from here. Okay, so I used to go to Grant's Farm all the time. I was going to ask I, you I, about Grant's Farm. This is good. I loved it, right? So one time, I'm driving, Dana and I are driving out, and we're kind of competitive. And so, like, no, wait, wait, wait. I forgot. D- Dana, oh, Dana, your wife. My wife. My wife. My wife. So I'm like, you know what? No, let me take it back. She went with her family. I'm meeting her there. And so I don't want to be late, okay, because she likes to be on time. And I have no idea where I'm going. And this is before IMAP or MapQuest, whatever that is. So you had a MapQuest and printed out back then. So I called up Kat on his show and asked for directions. <laughs> well, but on purpose, right? Like you did that as a kind of a bit, right? But, I mean, it was funny because I actually needed the directions, and he had no idea I was calling. And I just called up and said, hey, this is Jeff Supon. Can you just put me on the line and just say it's a caller? And so I called him. I said, hey, Kat, what's going on? And who was the other guy that was there? The um, Martin Kilcoin and Tim McKernan were the guys at that time. McKernan. McKernan, yes. And so uh, and then I said to him, I, I was joking around, I said, hey, uh, listen, the reason why I'm calling <laughs> – I said, I need directions to Grand Farm. And so he ends up giving me directions. We talked the whole way there. But it wasn't like, I mean, I was serious. I didn't know who to call. And I knew his show was going on. And I knew I could get on the on the line. And so I called him specifically for directions to Grand Farm. But that's still talked about, like, though, though. They still they, like them apples. They still mention that. And then uh, I think on that show also you revealed uh, your – I don't know what the deal was with the unknown DJ. Maybe you can explain that. All right. Well, I didn't get in a lot of trouble growing up. But I had some I, – you know, I did some funny things from time to time. So we used to call our friends, and I would call up. 
like a crank call almost, you know. Um, this was before the Jerky Boys came out, I think. We might have been like 10 or 12, I don't know. So we'd have to call like the landline, you know. And so I would call up as the unknown DJ. And so, and so I would always say, hey, and I'd use my voice. I can't do it anymore right now. <laughs> but I'd say, hey, this is the unknown DJ. Uh, this is KDLY, and I'm the unknown DJ. And if you can answer this simple question, I will send you 10 free records of your choice. <laughs> You're like, oh, my gosh, am I, on, am I on the air right now? I go, whoa, 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 I am the unknown DJ. You have to answer the question. You'll find out, right? So I'd give him a simple question. Do you like uh, um, trees? Do you like plants? Or do you like the St. Louis Cardinals? They go, St. Louis Cardinals. I go, you just won. Dead free record. They, oh, they never asked me once <laughs> what records. And they said, hey, congratulations. And I hang up the phone. So we used to joke around with buddies like that, changing our voice. And, and, do, and I, I, shared that, I shared that on the uh, on the um, on the show, if you will, you're you're an absolute goofball and one of a kind, I'd say. I don't I don't know, man. It's it's sneaky. I'm sneaky because if you put me on the spot, I don't like it, right? So you used to always fly up at the camera, and do something funny, and I was like, I was like, dude, it's it has to be organic. That, that's the new word people use now, right? Organic. I couldn't think on the fly, but I mean, if I if it was like candid it, it was always way better so that's i used to like doing the fluff stuff maybe that's why we got along so well yeah. i didn't like when um what's his name oh man i can't shoot joe joe strauss um he, he came out to me he goes soup he goes i know you're a smart guy can't you give me something other than a cliche i go joe I am smart, so that's what I'm going to give you. <laughs> I go, I'm going to give you a cliche because I was the guy who was always nervous. Like, did I say the wrong thing? How is somebody going to think about what I said about that? You know, and um, so I just try to keep it, you know, simple. And so he called me Vanilla Ice in the paper, called me Vanilla Ice, which that was fine. It's a good nickname. I, that was the funniest part. We do these spring training sit downs and then. We did the, Once the season started, yeah. it was a different guy, right? Well, no, we'd get done, and you'd be like, "Is that all right?" And we'd you'd spend more time asking me if it was the question, if the answers were all right, if we should do it again, if I got everything I needed. That's that's a professional right there. And you always added it was a perfect soundbite. It was always exactly the ten seconds that we needed to make Emmy award winning television back then. I know we didn't win anything. I was so disappointed. I did. No, I. You're a part of um, I, this thing, the two, that Game 7, 2006, I made a show out of that. And when you came back with Milwaukee, I remember Remember you came in, we, we interviewed you about it. I don't know if you remember. Who cares? But uh, Of course I do. You sent it to me, but I never got a trophy. Do you, no, not every – Was only, there a speech? I mean, I thought I was, a, I was like part of the producing production crew or no, staff or executive just, producer or something no you just pitched in that game that's really you got you got a world series ring that's what you got i got a I got a little emmy trophy i didn't get a trophy i'll send you the trophy i'll send you mine i mean send me a photo See, of it or something okay let me tell you about the world series ring you know when you retire you go through these ups and downs right which you know like you gain weight you lose weight you gain weight you lose weight well my ring was always too big okay and so i used to have to try to put tape in it and like you know to try to make it stay and then it would always spin around and then somebody shakes your hand they crush 
they crush it. So I, I go to the, my jeweler and I'm like, hey, man, can you make this smaller? She makes it perfect. It fits great. Right. And then then you gain a little bit of weight. And now I can't get my World Series ring on. It's bugging me. And so I go back and say, hey, can you make this bigger? And I'm like, well, the more times you go back and forth, it's not going to. My great, because those rings are so big, it's hard to get the right size. Do they know? So now more, you're a yo-yo dieter. I mean, just say, listen, I'm on a new thing. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a yo-yo weight guy. So I, I, I wear it as a pinky ring. I only wear it when I, you know, usually if I, if I put on a suit or something. But I, I, I drop a World Series pinky ring. <laughs> it looks kind of funny. But you're anyway. like Mr. T. Yeah, yeah, Mr. T starter kit. You're right. Man, well, this right. this was too much fun. So let me ask you. Yeah. Let me ask you, since we probably got about a minute left. How do you think the interview went? I think it was. I think it was great. I, I, as you know, I'm a huge fan. I always thought you were a great interview. I think we started off a little too serious, so hopefully, people got into the the whole second half of this where we had a little fun. Uh, and I'm 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 appreciative that you actually uh, are the first. Uh, guest over the FaceTime or the phone. I, I like doing these in person because I like to see the person. And, you know, we had those little mild interruptions where we're both trying to talk over each other, and I, I just feel like it's a little weird. But I think once we got going, I, I think I'm going to give it a B plus. Is there anything I could have done better? Um, I think I would have thrown the curveball a few more times. Uh, I think he's probably uh, – <laughs> Those days I can't throw a curveball anymore. It's over. Those days are over. No, I think you were uh, you were perfect. There was a few times you may have gone on and on. Maybe you could have cut your words a little bit. Uh, but I don't think we got vanilla ice. Yeah, I don't think we got vanilla ice today for sure. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back. I'm going to clean up some of my stories, make them a little shorter. That is a tendency, I think. You get a little bit older, you add a little bit more to your story. You give too much background, which I, I know I do that. Uh, I learned that from the restaurant because – after telling your story 300 times in restaurants, you're like, dude, you got to clean that story up. So I apologize for that. I'll get better uh, for the next time. And now, soup. If there is the next time. No, maybe it's up to you, man. I appreciate it. Now, you had a New Year's party all the time out there, and I'm very mad that I never made it. Now you have kids. Do you still do the New Year's thing or no? We did one New Year's Eve party with kids and, and never again. It was too much. But you know who did come out? El Ray, a.k.a. Anthony Reyes. We just talked and, about him. Yes, you talked. He became a firefighter. I'm very happy for him. Yeah. Are you? So you still have these New Year's things? Is that true? Is that happening? No, no. I had one. I had oh. ten years, ten year run. Unbelievable New Year's Eve party. Um, and then, and then we had one after kids, and then it just did. It was too. It was too much. But and Skippy Schumacher came to one of the parties. You asked them how the party was. I, they know how it was. And you inv- and you did actually – now, this, I believe, is a real invite, not like the uh, parade. You actually said, no, come on out. And I, this one, I believed you, and I just didn't want to go. I, I didn't want to fly all the way out there because then I would – like, if I get there and you're like, what are you doing here? It would have been real awkward. Kind of like – It would have it never happened. I, you would have been a guest, you know what I mean? So, But I'm sorry you didn't make it out, but – Here's the thing, like New Year's Eve, most of the time it's, I think it sucks to be honest with you. I mean, like, you gotta stay up late, you gotta do this. But we had a great time. For me, a party 
is when people dance. <laughs> and we had we had a dance floor and we had a lot of people dancing. It started out with 60 people, our very first party. It ended up, I think the biggest it ever got was 170. Then I put a list, then I put a list together and we always kept it at about a hundred people. And uh, it was good times. If you came one time, oh. you you were always invited. And you could bring somebody with you, but you had to let me know. So that's why that one couple year it got it got too big. But if if you asked me to bring, hey, can I bring two of my buddies from college? Yeah, no problem. As long as you let me know, I had no problem. But it was it was a good run. I missed, and I was invited. I was in that little list, evidently, right? Man, you were. Well, are you gonna do it again? You know? How about doing it again? You know, you can't take it, it. You can't recreate. You can't recreate. I tried it. It doesn't work. You know what I mean? You know what is funny? It doesn't happen. You were talking about Soup's Grill, and we're, and it's not happened. You don't have that anymore, right? From what I remember, you kind of got out of the restaurant business, right? Yeah, we. I own the property, and uh, after ten years, it was a good time. Uh, and I had a lot of my key employees leaving, and and I thought it was going to be a great Plan B life after baseball, but it was way too much work. And uh, I, I, my Dana and I were. We were we were exhausted, so it was a ten year run. But all right, so that, and that takes me to two different. Uh, I'm sorry, one more question. Uh, you have time? Okay, good. Um, Can I give you a critique? Yeah, don't say that all the time. Uh, well, you that's like the ninth time you said one more question. Now the viewers are like, wait, wait how many? Is this like the? You sound like Tony Tony Skipper when he would be like, I got three points to tell you. And you're like, all right, so you made a quick meeting. Point one. And then he has A, B, and C. And then point two, uh, D, E, and F. I'm like, dude, this is like a 40-minute meeting for three points. How many meetings would he have a year? How many meetings would he have a year? We had quite a few. I thought we had quite a few meetings. But uh, a lot of them were like, you know, secret meetings and then like meetings that had their own meetings that were going on. It was very confusing. That's, that's funny. You had to figure out which meeting we were you were going to, you know, because sometimes some meetings you weren't invited to, you know, and other meetings were important meetings, and then they had the big meeting, you know. I, I was confusing, but I thought there was a, quite a few meetings. That's interesting. I never really knew that about the team. So what you said to me, I, I do that because I want the guest to think it's almost over. Right. Like I'll, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay on. It's kind of like the, you know, it's, yeah, I got you. I'm picking up, I'm picking up what you're laying down. But I was going to say, so the soup's grill, I, I swear I'm almost done. But you, this, is, this is interesting because okay, you said that you enjoyed doing the off-the-field stuff and the fluff stuff and having the cameras come over to soup's grill or follow you on the golf course. And um, that was like my wheelhouse. I loved getting you guys to do stuff that wasn't just asking you about a 3-2 pitch. And what I found just recently about – being around baseball, it is so different. And maybe you can tell me now as you see these guys where you're coaching for the Royals in the minor leagues, like you just, you couldn't really get, you know, there's like a Randall Gritchick and Steven Piscotty and a couple of the young guys. And once, once they get three years in, you, you cannot get guys to do anything off the field. We used to do all kinds of things with you and I could even get Edmonds to do stuff. And like I said, so Taguchi, is it something with the players today? And, and then how is it going with your minor league Riding a bus, like a, a guy with millions in the bank, as we've talked about already, riding a bus. You see any Man's differences? Man's got to work. Man's got to work, my friend. Man's got to work. Uh, okay, so let's go back to the first the first question. Okay, so basically, these guys that are getting to the big leagues, are probably their whole lives are on the Internet now. So, you know, I mean, it's like 
they're probably got a Twitter feed. They probably got their own Periscope. I don't know what that, what all those things are. They, they they put it out there for everyone to see. So that's what they're doing off the field. They want people to know. I think we didn't want people to know. And then we would do these fluff things to show people that we were real people. <laughs> and I and I think now uh, you probably have a little bit of that. And then you know, hey man, when you do a lot before your before three years, you know, you, you feel like, man, once I get three years, I want to just have a my life. I want to have a career. I'm not going to take all these extra things. Maybe they're having kids. I don't know. But uh, I think the fans get a lot of behind the scenes anyway. I mean, Major League Baseball's ahead of that, and, and they do all the interviews, and they all want the they want live what's going on in the dugout. I'm, I mean, so. I mean, they have the MLB cams. I mean, you can't even do you can't even do fun things in the in the in the stadiums anymore because everything's filmed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, you can't so take we used some... to go outside of the stadium. Uh, uh, Hoffy, uh, Trevor Hoffman, we'd go, we used the Orby and we go, we got in trouble for using the Orby on the field, you know, like doing some conditioning. And, uh, so then we went outside of the stadium and we were doing some Orby stuff, you know, throwing it around and, but you can't do anything anymore. So I don't know. Maybe, Maybe they just, they're all grown up. They don't want to do it. Or maybe they, they, they're they so far out there, they just want a little more privacy. No, I don't know. You're right, though. That whole social, the social media thing changed it because you're right. They can just put whatever they want out on social media. They don't need Brad and the camera guy running around following them around. They just do whatever they want to do on the on the plane or the hotel. So you're right. So, right. I mean, hey, and a lot of their cameras are probably better than yours i mean like right i mean like it's true i remember my video camera was three chips and that was like a big deal this is broadcast quality well now your little iphone has broadcast quality has hd broadcast quality it has 4k yeah 4k right which is like unbelievable and uh everyone's a reporter now so anywhere you go there's reporting going on um and then, you know, as far as the bus rides go, <clears throat> you know, what I found out in retirement is that I love, I love, love baseball, you know what I mean? And, and, and um, I love, love my family. And I, I say double love because I love my dogs, but my, my wife, Dana, love, loves the dogs. That's like over love, you know, it's like a lot of love for those things. And I, I, I love dogs, but you know, I love, love baseball. And so uh, as a player, I always said I would never coach too much time away from my family. Um, and now I'm coaching. But there's two things about what I'm doing. Number one is I, I've taken the philosophy like, you know, when, like when you retire from baseball, you think about how much baseball you've actually played in your life. Eight years old to 38 or maybe even before that, probably, probably playing T-ball at uh, six. So six to 38 years old, I, I played in a game. Um, or did baseball stuff. So 39, I didn't do any baseball. I didn't have one game. It was bizarre, right? But it was a great first year in retirement. And then reality sets in the next year, and you're like, wait a second. You know, and so I came to the conclusion that I'm going to start coaching. Um, obviously, Dana gave me her blessing. But I'm just going to take it year by year. I mean, it's not like I have to do this for the next 20 years of my life. I mean, I'm only 42, um, and then the Royals are, are, are a very good organization, and uh, they're allowing me to coach the short season, uh, which is in Idaho Falls, um, and so that's where I coach. So it's a shorter season, so I'm not I'm not gone as long. 
And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I, I mean, I really enjoy it. And I don't know what the future holds. I'm just taking it year by year. That's awesome. Well, I, I, so. enjoy, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, which I always do, but I didn't realize we'd go this long. But I appreciate you just taking the time, sitting in a car, hanging out and talking to baseball and beyond. And I assume the next call I'll get is from you with Garth Brooks telling me Garth wants to be on this and Reggie Sanders, one of my all-time favorites, Reggie Sanders. Since I, can, I can probably get Reggie. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to see Garth, but I would assume I would see him for a few seconds. But all I got to say is you might owe me a quarter tank of gas, okay? Because that's how much <laughs> gas I've gone through in this hour, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Well, I, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't cost you anything. Call me anytime. You're the man, Soup. All right. And uh, Baseball and Beyond is presented by Massa's Restaurants in St. Louis. You ever go there? Were you a fan of the uh, pizza and the pasta at Massa's Restaurants? I used to love it. it was, um, <laughs> didn't go in too often, but. <laughs> Did a lot of pickup? <laughs> a lot of, lot of to-go, a lot I, of takeout. What was your favorite location? <laughs> uh, the one next to that big place. Uh, what was it called? <laughs> Yeah, Baseball and Beyond is presented by Masses Restaurants. We thank Jeff Supon for all of his time. That's going to do it. We appreciate you listening. Tune in next time.